Welcome to Jurassic Park. Not really. Um, my name is Sarah. I'm your host. This is Curiosity Killed the Cat. And today I'm not really going to be getting into cats. I'm going to be getting into my curiosity, into the theories, storyline, where Jurassic Park slash world is going to continue to take this universe franchise, if you will. Um, this is kind of one of those loosey-goosey after dark episodes, and um, I kept thinking, you know, I'll do my own Fallen Kingdom episode and a separate um, Lost World Jurassic Park episode, and I was like, you know what? These two movies, they are the sister movies of the franchise. They are the Aries to the Libra the Cancer to the Capricorn, if you will, the Sag to the Gemini sister signs, okay? These two movies are the Ragnaroks of the Jurassic Park slash world franchises, and I am here for it, okay? Um, I have watched The Lost World Jurassic Park, the second movie in the Jurassic Park franchises. We had number one, right? Dino DNA Hold on to your butts. Ah, ah, ah. Access denied. Um, you know, dino samples in the shaving cream can. Velociraptors coming in at the end to take down the T-Rex to save the fucking day. Again, please stop trying to normalize the Velociraptors being the good guy. Because they are not. Okay? If there's like anything in this world that I'm just like... I don't trust it. It's fucking velociraptors. They can open doors. They can read your mind. No. No, thank you. Blue, you're cute. Yes, were you trained since you were a little baby egg velociraptor by fucking Andy Dwyer? Sure. Sure. But, like, I still don't trust you. I'm sorry you got shot. I'm sorry you needed a T-Rex blood transfusion. I don't even think that would actually work when it comes to like science and like field medicine maybe I don't know I'm not a doctor I'm not a dinosaur specialist expert uh paleontologist whatever the fuck it is you are when you know a lot about dinosaurs I'm not that person but what I do know is that from a very malleable age Jurassic Park has existed in my zeitgeist in my world um I think I need to go ahead and read the book and just throw myself into overdrive here because that would be the icing on the cake okay and I'm a Westworld fan so Michael Crichton I'll do it for you thank you for bringing this into the world and fucking Steven Spielberg man like where would we be where would we be without this grandiose give me the money so i can make the fucking best movie possible uh man um i i jaws i could not handle it growing up i loved it but it scared me i sharks 
Fuck you. I don't like them. Thank you, Stephen, for that. E.T., one of the most vivid, lucid dreams I've ever had in my life. E.T. was coming down the stairs and trying to talk to me through a fucking caftan blanket, okay? I could still feel the yarn on the blanket and the little holes, and I could see and feel his energy and his presence. That's how fucked up that dream was. So again, thank you, Mr. Spielberg. My favorite Steven Spielberg story isn't even a film he directed himself. That would be Poltergeist, okay? He wrote that story. Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre director, uh, directed it. And just somehow the two of those and that relationship that they had between him making the story and bringing in the money for the animatronics for the puppet and all sorts of shit and poltergeist um, and Toby Hooper being the man at the helm, it was beautiful. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's literally shaped uh, my fear uh, family dynamics, um, sibling dynamics, whatever. It's one of the most romantically, beautifully, uh, horrifically portrayed family stories of all time. Poltergeist, love you. So when we roll into Jurassic Park territory, okay, when we, when we, when we move away from like you know, beautiful Steven doing Color Purple and Schindler's List and we've got Green Mile and Catch Me If You Can. We've got these big, uh, beautiful tales, right, that stem from real life events. But there's just something that this man does with these made up stories, with the stories that just come purely for, from your mind. Um, grew up watching Hook, right? That's a very precious movie to... A lot of people of a certain age and one of my favorite fucking podcasts, Shot the Movies, um, Shot on TV, they just did a review podcast commission of Hook and I love it because I think most of them are like a few years older than me. So they did not have this precious angle to Hook, which was like at first I was like, oh no, I don't think they like the movie. But then I was like, no, they were just fucking cooler older kids who like weren't tiny when Hook came out, right? So when they were describing certain things in the movie, I was able to see things, not pessimistically, but in a, in a kind of different light than I did in this precious uh, moments kind of wide-eyed view of it as, you know, growing up with it as a child. So Steven Spielberg has been popping up into my sphere lately. Um, and I've just really been appreciating um I think I brought this up a few times in the last few episodes lighting um how important it is um for certain actors when they hit certain lines or when they're not even doing lines uh dialogue whatever um when with that light hits a certain angle of the face or face or cheekbone or catches that twinkle in somebody's eye it's it's just it cannot be um it's just I, I value that a lot when I see movies I it stands out to me and I appreciate it in a, in a little black book somewhere in my mind I kind of jot it down right and so watching Hook lately I happened to watch that movie with my boys a day or two before I saw that shot the movies was doing that review so it was kind of like it was like what the fuck this is super weird timing and they really enjoyed it. And I noticed a lot of the lighting that hit Robin Williams' face in certain moments. Whatever. Just awesome. Okay? So, 
I always kind of forgot if Spielberg did the second movie in the Jurassic Park franchise. We all know he did number one, right? He brought dinosaurs to us. And again, being this kind of young, impressionable age in the 90s, when 1990 rolled around, three years old, okay? So from that point on, that's when you remember things. That's when you're taking things in. That's when the sponge in your mind is at its most porous and absorbent, okay? And so I spent this decade of the 90s just being uh, every movie I watched, every show, every book formed an impression in my brain, in my heart, in my soul. And if you grew up as an adolescent child seeing the Jurassic Park movies, it was like somebody brought dinosaurs into the real world. They felt real just because they were on the movie screen. Like, you couldn't convince me that they weren't on the movie set. The first one came out, I can't remember what year, 94? And, well, so I would have been seven, eight at the most. We saw it in the drive-in theater. We saw it with, I think, The Lion King and then Jurassic Park played afterwards or something. And I remember falling asleep and waking up to the fucking rain and T-Rex you know, stomping through the park, following that Jeep and just being like getting my socks knocked off of my fucking feet. Okay. And thrown 30 feet out of the car. It was unreal. And so for a lot of us weird millennials out there, you know, we kind of grew up with dinosaurs. We grew up with real looking dinosaurs on the screen And a few years after they did this first Jurassic Park movie, the first, you know, few years after they fucking socked us in the face and in the gut with this shit, um, you know, with little Timmy and Lex and Laura Dern and we get Ian Malcolm, which I'm, here comes my transition into the lost world. Years later, I believe it was 99, 98 at the most or earliest, we get the lost world Jurassic Park. Steven came back. He did number two. He did not do the third one in the franchise with uh, Sam Neill when they go to the island with Tia Leone and William H. Macy and try to find the kid. That He did not do that one. He did this one. So, as crazy as this fucking movie gets and a little indulgent at times, um, it's everything else is just perfect. If you're going to make an action dinosaur horror movie... This is fucking it. This is it. And the Ian Malkin you get in Jurassic Park is not going to be the same Ian Malcolm that you get in The Lost World. He's gone through seeing dinosaurs, which is enough to make your brain melt. Um, Surviving being thrown around by a fucking T-Rex. Sitting through that movie with his fucking chest open going through the plans, helping Ellie get the fuck, you know, get the power back up, all this stuff. He goes through this whole, you know, turnaround. He goes from being this schmoozy kind of, you know, romantic Mr. Steal Your Girl with Laura Dern, you know, with Sam Neill being like, that's my fucking girlfriend. That's my girlfriend. You're not gonna, please don't. So when we go, when we get into the lost world, This man is not the same, okay? 
This is your Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, okay? He's been through some shit. He's not the fucking same guy. There are a few moments, just a few little throwbacks to that kind of smooth, uh, suave Ian Malcolm. Um, but you don't get, it's not till the end of the movie where you get his like, uh, shirts kind of unbuttoned and Julianne Moore, I think maybe has like her hand kind of tucked in it after they've been through the trauma of this adventure. Um, so he is, um, he's definitely, uh, a completely different character, um, in this movie. And I'm going to get into that. And I'm also going to get into, uh, Fallen Kingdom and how Bryce Dallas Howard's character definitely stepped up to number one and how Chris Pratt kind of went into the, uh, second leading person territory. So let's get into it. All right. So I'm going to kick it off with a uh, Lost World Jurassic Park. Um it's already kind of getting into the Jeff Goldblum Ian Malkin character and how um his role definitely differs from uh the vibe energy in the first Jurassic Park movie and for very good reason. Um and then once I kind of go through my thoughts about this movie, I'm going to kind of just flow into Fallen Kingdom. Um, some theories I have about it and, um, my fucking 1000% jacked up Mountain Dew, uh, excitement for Jurassic World Dominion. Cause Sam Neill's gonna come back. I don't know who else is coming back. Uh, Jeff might come back. He showed up in Fallen Kingdom, uh, for a little bit. So we'll see. But until I get to that, let's get into the Lost World Jurassic Park. Um... I am a San Diegan, uh, born and raised, and I still reside in, uh, I think we like to call this America's finest city, with which it's a little pretentious, but uh, there's like this uh, fucking uh, marathon race that my dad does almost every year, like running. He's a runner. I don't run, but my dad runs. Uh, and it's called America's Finest City. So anyways... That's what we think of ourselves. Um, if you've seen Anchorman, Whale's Vagina, what the fuck ever. San Diego. Um, before this movie, we were not famous too, too much in terms of Hollywood, like, lore. Uh, you get L.A. You get New York. You get Miami sometimes, right? And then you go across the pond. You know, you get... London, Japan, Tokyo, we get all these fun little cities everywhere that tend to sort of always pop up in um, the realm of Hollywood. And San Diego just doesn't usually hit that list. For being like the little sister city to LA and Hollywood, we're only about an hour and a half, two hours away. Uh, You didn't see it too much growing up. We had some like it hot with uh Marilyn Monroe, um Tony Curtis, uh Jack Lemon. No, not John Lemon, Jack Lemon. Um and we had Top Gun. Okay? Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer. They came into town. They came to the naval base. They came to the Kansas City barbecue in downtown in the gas lamp. And then they disappeared. 
So we had some like it hot and Top Gun. Okay. So like, okay, cool. I'm growing up in the fucking nineties. That's nice. Cool. I love Marilyn Monroe. That's exciting. Tom Cruise. Cool. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden one day this giant Jurassic Park movie comes out and what do we get? What do we get? We get dinosaurs in San Diego. This movie, we start out on the second island, right? We get the little sister island, uh, Isla Nubar, I think is the main one. And then whatever this one is, Sonora, Sonara, something. It starts with an S, right? We've got the second island where the animals have just sort of flourished, lived on their own. We need to get a team in to document and a team... Uh, unbeknownst to John Hammond to scoop up the dinosaurs and ship them off to where? San Diego. Famous for our uh, SeaWorld and San Diego Zoo and our, well, it used to be called the, oh my God, it's the Safari Park, but it used to be called something else and my brain won't let me remember. Anyways, I digress. So, just like all of a sudden we're just like talking about San Diego. We're going to like bring the dinosaurs back and we're going to have this big Jurassic Park fucking park in San Diego. And I'm like, bro, you know, I'm 12, 11 when this movie comes out. So I'm just like, I just kept thinking like, what if we had a Jurassic world, like a Jurassic park park here in San Diego? There's the chargers. We have the famous zoo. Why couldn't there be a Jurassic Park facility? And so, you know, it just was like all of these things coming together. The matrix in my little uh, child world was just bringing this big dinosaur movie into like where I lived. And I just was like, okay, let's do this. My anxiety was like, no, thank you. But everything else in my brain was like, let's do this. Let's bring this, let's, let's bring the dinos to San Diego. Okay. Like if we could just keep talking about San Diego in the movie, I'm going to feel really good about this. So (sighs) we see Dr. Uh, Ian Malkin on the subway after we get the uh, chicken little dinosaur scene with Camilla fucking Bell, baby Camilla Bell. I will always remember her for this from this movie, first and foremost. You know, rich mommy and daddy show up to this beautiful island. We got to park the yacht for a few hours. Let's do some lunch and champagne, and we'll get back on the boat, right? Uh, but for some reason, they were like, well, let's give her a little piece of the sandwich before lunch. You're spoiling her appetite. She's not going to eat when it's time to sit down at that table, you guys, okay? So I'm just speaking from experience. So anyways... The poor girl, the poor deer, she runs off with her fucking roast beef. And what does she encounter? The chicken little dinosaurs, okay? Not quite as scary as that little dinosaur that, like, uh, blew up its, like, little fan head and shot the, like, black ink into um, Newman. Newman from Seinfeld, is that who that was? Newman's eyes and, like, ended up killing him. That was really cool in the first movie. But, unfortunately... This poor little girl is like, do you like roast beef? It's good. And she starts, like, giving them little pieces of this, like, roast beef sandwich. And, like, what do they do? They start attacking her. And it's not cool. She screams. 
it's a whole mess. And then cut to Ian Malkin yawning on the subway and getting uh, called into uh, Daddy Hammond's uh, big estate, right? Injun is at its uh, greediest, grubbiest, you know, trying to get their... Um, trying to get their fingers deeper into his pocket because he's had some like health episode and we get a glimpse at the kids again right we got Lex and Tim okay and we know right off the bat things aren't going good for old grandpa Hammond and then Jeff Goldblum steps into that nice fucking bedroom and is like what's up how are things you know fill me in and he explains to him we have a second island. The dinosaurs are doing great. We're going to send in a team to uh, to check them out. You know, all the predators, all the predators, carnivores, they're on the inner rim of the island. So we're going to have a team just go on the outer rim and just take pictures and, um, you know, just steer clear. Okay. And so he lists off the people that are going to go. And he says, I hope you can go, Mr. You know, Dr. Malcolm. And he's like, ha no, I will never go back. And in fact, I'm going to take the names of these people. I'm going to go find them and I'm going to tell them to not go to your island. And then things take a huge turn to stage left when he realizes that this old fucking fart sent his beautiful ginger girlfriend, Sarah, which, thank you, I don't mind sharing the name with this tough ass bitch, uh, finds out that his girlfriend has been sent there days ahead of the team and has been roaming around Dinosaur Island all alone for days. So this goes from being a mission to uh, document the animals to a rescue mission in his own words. So um, I'm going to be getting into us meeting his daughter, meeting Vince Vaughn and the rest of the crew and taking off to this fucking uh, five death vibrational island it's uh it's not where you want to go i don't want to go there i the trailer looked cool until it fell off the cliff so old man hammond god love him i mean this uh what's his name sir richard attenborough i think is his name um just david attenborough shit which one does the documentaries and which one is the actor? I get the Mandela effect. I get confused with them all the time. But anyways, old man Hammond basically is just telling him, you've got nothing to worry about. She begged me to go on the trip, whatever. And uh, Jeff Goldblum is just like, I'm going to go get my girlfriend. Okay, thanks. All right, got it. So this fucking... I didn't grow up camping or anything like that. My, my dad loved it, but my mom was just like, I'm not fucking going camping. So we just didn't go camping. Maybe once or twice growing up um, as an adult, I'm a lot different. I love to go camping. But this fucking like rich dude, uh, top of the line equipment, field, uh, field equipment, the trailers, the cars, uh, the tents, the the high hide, all of this stuff. I grew up thinking that like camping, wilderness excursions were just like this fucking bougie, most like baller granola shit. Like you could that like existed. Okay. Um, 
So I don't blame Kelly, his daughter, for being like, um, I'm just going to like hide in a cabin in this fucking trailer and come along for the ride. Um, although I'm pretty sure that Eddie, the field expert dude, was like, we need to put the pressure of the tires at half pressure because we're going to be flying like high altitude. So like, was Kelly like in the trailer, in the airplane, to the boat, to the island? Like, that's a lot. But whatever logistics okay we're i'm just we're not gonna get into details um so anyways we meet eddie right the field expert guy he's pretty cool and uh then we meet we meet nick van owen who is vince vaughn my fucking i love this man i love every piece of dialogue that he has in wedding crashers it's it's in my memory for my life. And, uh, seeing this like young, tall, skinny version of him is just so fun because like rewatching it now, um, I think I watched it like five times, um, in the last couple days. Uh, he is a perfect counterpart to Jeff Goldblum, right? Um, he's been, he's been a leading man, uh, Goldblum a few times. Um, but for this Big ass Steven Spielberg, you know, action fucking you're the main guy now, bro. I think he did it well. And I really liked what they did with his character in this movie. Um, I don't know how uh, critics felt about it at the time. I was a child. I wasn't fucking paying attention. I was just like along for the Jurassic Park Lost World ride. Okay. And so I think Vince Vaughn, this young Vince Vaughn here, is a perfect counterbalance uh, uh, next to him, right? Jeff Goldblum, tall dude, right? Tall, he's got that quirky handsomeness. Um, again, they they tone down um, his role is not quite as sexualized in this movie as it is in the first one. And again, for good fucking reason, right? There's no, you know... Uh, Laura Dern, you know, somebody else's girlfriend to chase after. That's not where we're at in life anymore, okay? He has his established girlfriend. She's on this fucking death dinosaur island. He needs to go save her. And that's where we're at, right? But what I do really love is there are a couple little Easter eggy things to that kind of um, more romanticized version of Dr. Ian Malcolm. And we get that with Kelly when she comes in and he's trying to explain to her, oh, I got you a babysitter. I got to go out of town. You'll be fine. You've got gymnastics, this and that. And she's just like, uh, I got like scrubbed from the team, dad, way to pay attention. Like I'm not even fucking doing gymnastics anymore. Um, she calls the old lady that's supposed to babysit her a troglodyte. And he's like, good use of fucking language right there. And, um, he says something to her, like, what do I always call you? Or, you know, what do I say that you are? And she's like, your inspiration. And I think it's so perfect, so fitting, so funny that like, of course, this man as a freaking dad is going to freaking tell his daughter that she's his inspiration. Like, it's just... You know, I don't know. I, I guess when you grow up with a dad that's more of like a single dad, womanizer kind of guy, that's the kind of like 
verbiage you're going to get from him. And I just, it's perfect. It's hilarious. It's so fitting. He lets her be independent to an extent. Um, you know, when she, when she kind of starts to go off on him a little bit, you know, he gets frustrated and he's like, you know, Hey, I'm not the one that ditched you for Paris, like your mom or blah, blah, blah. And he instantly regrets, you know, saying what he said. And he kind of looks back at, at, looks back at her and is like, you know, if you want any advice, just don't listen to me. Okay. And sort of walks off, you know, that's his way of saying sorry. And so she, she knows she gets it. And next time we see her, she's sort of curiously looking into the trailer and she's kind of like, oh, this is cool. And we don't see Kelly until a little bit later. We don't see Kelly until we get to the fucking island. Okay. So, uh, uh, Malcolm, he meets the Vince Vaughn character, um, who just has this like fucking just, I can't, I don't know how I feel about this line. He says something about joining the Peace Corps and like, uh, Mal EM is like, why'd you do that? And he's like, the women, you know, like the ratio of men to women. There's like, there's more chicks than dude. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so they finally, they get on a bigger boat, they get out there, they're heading to the Island. Uh, you know, that's ominously called, uh, La Cinco Muerte. I don't know if I said that right. The five deaths, right? Ooh. Um, and yeah, next thing we know, we're roaming through the fucking forest and they're looking for Julianne Moore, whose character's name is Sarah. And they're like, Sarah, Sarah. And Vince Vaughn goes, Sarah Harding. And fucking Jeff Goldblum is like, how many Sarahs do you think are on this island? And it never gets old. That line never gets old to me. It's so fucking funny and it's hilarious. And when we get to the end of the movie, when Vince Vaughn, Nick, has to uh, go to the control, control center to t uh, try to send out the radio signal to get a fucking chopper to show up and save them all so they can get to the chopper. Um... They go to look for him, and, and Sarah's like, Nick, Nick, and fucking Jeff Goldblum goes, Nick Van Owen, and it's cheesy, but it's a good little piece of poetry, a little rhyming in this movie, and I like it, and another piece of rhyming, once we find Sarah, and she gets asked for a granola bar because she's hungry and she borrows Nick's camera and she gets into the little skerfuffle with the, you know, the nice herbivore fucking um, baby dinosaur and then, like, the parents come stomping through and we get through that initial trauma. Um, when uh, they get to the baby T-Rex part and the trailer is uh, it's about to uh, to drop and Sarah lands on that glass. She is looking down and the way that her hands are spread out and pushed upon that cracking glass. At the end of the movie, when we get to San Diego, there's a gentleman that's about to get scooped up and eaten by Mr. San Diego T-Rex. And he runs to a storefront, a glass door, and he puts his hands upon the door in the same fucking position Julianne Moore's hands are in that scene. 
and right before he gets eaten. And again, I just think Spielberg does not waste uh, a shot or poetry movements in these films. Um, again, that's why him and George Lucas and Scorsese and all those and Coppola all got along back in the day because I think they really understood that um, we don't waste a frame when we make a movie. You know, this is all we've got. We've got an hour and a half. We have two hours and 10 minutes. We have an hour and 45 minutes to tell a whole story, to put a whole movie on screen why the fuck would you waste any second of that? And I will say, as we go into the movie, some of the action sequences, there are a few little indulgent moments um, where like, okay, just because you have the big budget doesn't mean you have to uh, throw it in the faces of the audience every second. Um uh, one thing I wasn't like a super duper huge fan of was when we get to um, the the island crew when everybody comes together and they're trying to run away from the T-Rex and they go through the little waterfall thing into the cave. Um, the T-Rex comes, th- comes through the animatronic, which must have been fucking terrifying. Like, I'll talk about the animatronics here in a little bit and just... They would instill, they would instill so much fear in me just being in the presence of a giant machine that is meant to operate, look, and act and behave like a fucking predator of the past, of like bajillions of years past, okay? And so when you have the T-Rex coming through the waterfall, anytime these, these dinosaurs have the rain with them, there's something extra magical that realistic that that just happens there. I don't know if it's the reflection of the water on the skin. Um, I thought in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, they did that really well, um, too, even though, you know, I think most of the dinosaurs in the Jurassic World movies are um, computer generated. I don't think there's animate. I don't think they do a whole lot of animatronic stuff. Um, I I I'd have to do more research. Um, But all those dinosaurs, when you see the indoor raptor running around in the rain and everything, um, it looks like it is in front of you. It looks like it is right there. And so we get this kind of really badass scene where it's coming through the water. You see the teeth. But then we get this like... um, you know, late 90s uh, computer-imposed tongue that comes out of the T-Rex and starts licking Julianne Moore, like, on her chest and on her face. And it was just, like, the weird area of her body where, like, the tongue had to make the connection that I was just, like, did we... Did we really just, like... Did we just sexualize a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex? Did we really just have the fucking stud male Tyrannosaurus Rex, like, start licking Sarah all over the chest and the face? Like, why couldn't it have licked Nick, you know? Whatever. I don't... I'm not gonna go on about it, but I just... Every time I watch the movie, I'm just like, every time that part happens and the tongue comes out, I'm just like, nah, I don't think we needed that. 
everything else was like perfect. The guy with the fucking snake, he was like, oh no, a snake's in me. And he runs right into the T-Rex and then the water just comes down and it's blood. It's so beautiful. It's so nuanced. And like, you could have just ended it right there. And then when Jeff comes in and they're like, oh no, the T-Rex is back, but it's Jeff Goldblum. It's not the T-Rex. It's so beautiful. And freaking Kelly comes running into his arms out of Vince Vaughn's and he just looks at Vince Vaughn and he's like thank you right and you get that like probably the most macho moment thing that like they could muster at that moment because like I love Vince Vaughn but like he's definitely not Mr. Machismo and Jeff Goldblum as handsome and as charming as he is he's not you know Mr. Big Macho Machismo type of a dude so you kind of had this sort of cool dad moment where he's like you know, he looks at Vince Vaughn and he's like, thank you, right, for, like, taking care of my own while I was, uh, I think he was looking at the maps with the other guy, whatever. So, everybody finally comes together, they get Sarah, we get through that initial dino trauma, right, and we know right off the bat that the point of this movie is to show that T-Rex's and other dinosaurs um, aren't these rogue type beings that they care about their offspring and they will not abandon them at the first given chance. And we spend the whole movie proving that point. And I like it. So they get all cozy. We see that Kelly is in the fucking trailer and he's just like, how the hell did you end up here? And Julianne Moore is just like, that's your kid. How would you not expect her to be here? Blah, blah, blah. And so then it turns into Operation Dad getting the kid off of the island. Sarah says she's going to say, stay. She says, I don't need you right now. I need, I needed you to save me from your fucking parents, you know, at dinner from time to time. Not when I'm in the middle of like my work. Like this is my work. I got this. And he's like, respectfully, I'm not going to mansplain you here, but like respectfully, Sarah, you didn't live through what I lived through on this island. These aren't lions. These aren't tigers. These are not bears. This is not the Wizard of fucking Oz. The dinosaurs are very much real and they don't discriminate. She just doesn't get that. And of course, unless you've lived through it, how the fuck could you, right? Um, Even Nick is just like, gun-ho, right? Like, fucking Dinosaur Island. So, then we get into, uh, you know, Team 2 coming in, right? The team, the fucking engine, big corporate team, safari fucking bros come rolling in, start locking up, tranking dinosaurs, and we're gonna bring them back to San Diego. Okay, we've got a park there, Why the fuck would we build something on an island where people have to travel to? That's a lot of money. People can just go to San Diego instead. And um, the poacher dude is fucking, you know, he's not a good guy, right? Because, oh, the hunter, poacher, whatever. Um, But he's kind of cool throughout this movie. And he makes some valid points. And him and Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn makes valid points with him. And I like the dynamic between... um, you know, the green piece, Nick Owens character and this hunter, you know, trophy collector, uh, other guy. I fucking fuck. I can't remember his name. 
um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And we get the whole thing where, like, Nick goes to try to talk to him at one point, and you know he's going to take the freaking bullets out of the gun so that way the guy can't take the T-Rex as his trophy, uh, the buck, whatever. And that's his, that's its own whole thing once we get to the end of this movie. So, moving quite along, um, once uh, Team 1 realized there's Team 2... You know, they come in and they uh, pop open the locks on the dinosaur cages. They start to get out. That whole camp base is kind of fucked up, destroyed. And um, the uh, investors on the board meeting um, aren't getting the uh, the Zoom tour that they thought they were going to get from Engine. So fucking Hunter Pro- Poacher Dude goes off with, um, with his right-hand man, Ajay. I remember his name. And uh, they decide, you know, we're fucking hunting for the T-Rex, right? They find the baby, pin the baby up to try to bring in the T-Rex. And in doing so, they break its leg. And what does Owen, uh, Nick Van Owen, come across um, in his little travels after busting open the dinosaurs? Little baby T-Rex. So he brings the poor little guy all the way to the trailer. And is like, Sarah, we got to fix this. Let's do this. Um... Goldbloom is up in the hide hide with Eddie and Kelly, which like, I just want you to know that like, I just wanted to be friends with Kelly. I saw myself in her. She was a little gymnast. She was a little snarky to the dad. I loved it. I just, I related to just being that same age and just everything about her was just so in sync with just who I was that like, it wasn't even like, I want to be her best friend. It was like, we were just like so much of the same. So anyways, you know, he's trying to protect her, get her fucking up high in the trees, away from the dinosaurs. <coughs> and they, um, they start to see mom and dad stomping through the fucking forest, right? Like little bunny foo-foo. And, um, I'm gonna, I gotta take a drink. They're ready. They're ready to uh, pick up their baby from the emergency room and go back to their little familial uh, nest, apartment, home, homestead, whatever the two T-Rexes have for their little baby. Again, Sarah, Nick, just trying to help, trying to put the fucking leg where it goes and move along. And by the time... Ian uh, gets back to the trailer and is like, how come nobody's answering the fucking satellite phone? Well, because we're operating on a T-Rex, Ian, okay? That's why. That's why. And then, and then, what does he say? Oh, God, I watched it like 500,000 times. He says something like, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Is that what he says? Is that reminiscent to the first one? Probably. But anyways, not one, but two of these motherfucking T-Rexes are on either side of this trailer. They hear the baby. If I were to post a picture of just the baby T-Rex and said, this is a picture you can hear, I think you would be able to understand. That, <laughs> that fucking, uh, I can't do it. I Did I literally just try to do a fucking baby T-Rex voice? It's this 
pitiful, like, like, I'm not going to do it. But, like, it's this long A-sounding roar. Just this poor baby, this sad whine of being hurt and wanting its mommy and daddy T-Rex to come back for it. Again, I don't know if this would, like, I don't even know if these parents would still care at this point in, like, the real real times, you know, in real life back in the day, however many millennium, oh my God, however many years ago, I don't know if this would be the case. Um, but in this movie, they need the baby and they need it now. And more so than anything, the people that fucked with the baby need to pay for what they did to the baby. And they get confused. They don't realize that, um, it was the poacher dude, safari man that uh took their baby moved it broke its leg okay doesn't know that these are the two people that are trying to fix the baby and and uh, get him better and i will say when nick first scoops up that baby t-rex he refers to it as a her and it's not until we get to uh the trailer the tent the rest of the movie that it's referred to as you know a he and again when i see animals insects bugs turtles I, I automatically, without even thinking, knowing, oh, hey, little fella, oh, look at that little guy, you know what I mean? I don't know why I automatically mascu- put the masculine on random creatures. Maybe it's, maybe it's the patriarchy. Um, but anyways, uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting that, like, he went off right off the bat was like, this is a little girl T-Rex. And then it was like, all of a sudden, no, it's like, oh no, it's a little boy T-Rex. Whatever. I don't, what the fuck I'm going with this. Um, but yeah, they take the T-Rex, the baby, and they put it back to where it needs to go. And then they're like, we're not done here. And they come back. Hey, the gold bloom knows. Jeff knows. He understands. He knows the score. He's ready for it. And he tells everybody else, it's time. You better be fucking ready. And man, if this sequence right here from the initial dropping off, you know, putting the baby outside of the trailer, getting back in, thinking things are okay, to seeing both of them pop up again and shake the fuck out of the trailer, watch it turn around which like Hollywood has always been good with that turning room mechanism thing. They do it in Poltergeist. Um, even think they did it in an NSYNC video years ago. Um, so that was fucking cool. And then boom, the first segment of the fucking trailer of the Caterpillar trailer gets knocked off, knocked off the edge. And the phone is hanging on by like a strap. Sh- fucking Sarah hits the bottom, right? That glass is cracking like ice on a goddamn lake. Okay. And just like the fact that they put Julianne Moore, she did like, she did every fucking action scene in this movie to perfection. She got attacked by the raptors, by this fucking T-Rex, by the fucking uh, herbivores, the herbivore baby dino's parents she's a really the mvp of this movie okay between her and kelly i love i love ian malcolm but like the girls man they really got uh 
they really went through it. So grass, the glass is about to, crack, about to crack. And finally, the phone goes down, hits it. Goldbloom grabs that lucky pack of Sarah's, pulls it down. She holds it. Next thing we know, the fucking uh, three of them are hanging by the rope. Eddie had come back. He left Kelly in the high hide. He's trying to figure out how to pull them up, how to keep the trailer from falling over the edge. And God bless him. He's doing a great job trying to just save the fuck out of his friends. And what happens? What happens? The T-Rexes come back and decide to play. Let's rip this guy in half. Yeah, that's what they do. The one T-Rex is like, I'll take the top. You take the bottom and we'll just pull. And whoever gets more gets more. Okay. Like Eddie loved you, bro. You deserved more time and you deserved better because you try to save your friends and this is the fuck what happened to you. So long story short, Eddie, he's gone. Trailer fucking falls down. Beautiful effects, you know, going down the three of them while they're hanging on for life onto that rope. And what I just think is so cool, this moment of camaraderie coming together, even though they're there for different purposes and they don't like each other, whatever the fuck, when they pull themselves up the rope and the fucking poacher guy reaches his freaking hand over and helps pull up Sarah and the rest of them, you're like, okay, again, they, they're they not there for the same reasons. They don't even have to like each other. But this group and that group are here together now. And they've got one goal to fucking survive and get the fuck out. And from there on, this movie just like that trailer scene was like the hold on to your butts moment of fucking the lost world. We from here, from here, I'm gonna have to get a coffee. From here, we've got engine guy you know corporate bro trying to you know put the pieces back together he says there's a command station from when the park first opened it runs basically off of solar thermal power whatever the fuck if we can get that switch on we can send out a signal we can get a chopper here and get the f out right so that's the goal and um you know they just start just start moving through the island all together, right? And as we get closer to the center, trying to find the uh, the old power hub of the park, um, we get this glorious scene um, before they, they go down for the night, before the uh, T-Rex showing up in Kelly and uh, Sarah's tent, smelling her bloody T-Rex jacket. There's this part. Uh, we've got this actor in this movie. I can never remember his name. Uh, Big Lebowski. He's one of the nihilists that shows up and steals his rug. Uh, steals the rug at the beginning. I, I God, I want to say he's uh, a Russian. Um, but he's uh, in Armageddon. He's the guy that's at the fucking Russian space station. Um, anyways, you see his face, you know who he is. He's freaking like... Uh, tripped out, okay? He's starting to get a little freaked out in terms of, like, 
the creatures on the island and just being like, um, if they've never seen man before, how can they fear us, right? So he gets into this little thing at the beginning where he sees one of the little roast beef chicken little dinosaurs. And um, he tases it with the little prod. And he's like, well, if they've never had a fear of man, they have it now. And so he goes to take a whiz, right, later on before they make camp for the night. He tells his buddy, hey, Carter, I'm going to go take a piss. Like, you know, keep an eye out, whatever. He, Carter, he has his headphones on, man. He's like vibing. He's got music. He's trying to fucking guided meditate his way the fuck out of this island. Okay? He's not thinking about you, bro. And in one of the most beautifully horrific moments in this PG-13 film... All those little dinosaurs, all the chicken little dinosaurs, they come back for him. And they get him bad once, and he gets them all off, and he kind of just, like, tries to scare him off again. And he thinks he's in the clear. And uh, he's not. He goes, and he trips, and they all come for him. And off camera, we know that they're all pecking. We've get the, we do get this one visual of the one... Um, animatronic dinosaur like pulling on his lip like biting his lip and pulling it and not in the good way okay not in the fucking edward bella fun type of way if you know what i'm fucking mean like like i'm gonna rip your lip off kind of bad way and then once he finally fucking falls down falls down and you see again that beautiful that beautiful blood fucking um tainting the clear water is just so beautiful jarring you see the death off the screen, but you know that it happened, and it's just like, holy shit, right? And so, um, what I thought was interesting is is the hunter guy, he has a couple really poignant, um, in- interesting lines of dialogue that um, Spielberg definitely had uh, a reason for putting in there. Um after they go try to find the guy that died by all the little dinosaurs and then they find him in pieces, um, he specifically tells, I think Nick and Ian, don't tell the little girl. Like, you know, it's one thing to just assume like, okay, you know, Ian will probably won't tell his daughter what happened to this guy because it's horrific and she doesn't need to know about it. But he needed specifically as this freaking, you know, carnal hunter type of, type of dude, um, still, you know, verbalized, needed to say, like, don't tell the girl about this. And I just thought it was kind of just interesting. And it just stood out. And when I get to the end, there's something he says at the very end that, like, I'm like, I really like what Spielberg did with this character. He really wanted us to hate this guy. But like, you know, when Nick starts to talk with him, he's like, oh, you seem like the only guy here that has a, you know, shred of sense or something. And that's kind of when he's trying to trick him into telling him like, you know, what's the end game here? And then eventually he takes the bullets out of the gun. So that way when um, the T-Rex comes stomping through the camp and picking people off, uh, the guy's not able to shoot him dead. He could grab the trank gun, the trank gun, and 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 dart him. But um, 
Nick took the fucking bullets out. And, uh, God, what a little vigilante Nick is. I really like, I really like his character. And I always thought in the movie growing up that he died. And when I watched it a few years ago for the first time in a long time, I was like, dude, Nick fucking Van Owen lived, man. He got to the fucking, he got to the site. He put in the frequency. He got the chopper. Like, he did it, man. He was on the chopper waiting for them. I like that. It's really cool. So, anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking exhausted. Um, we get this, you know, obviously everybody's together, right? Don't tell the girl what happened to the guy. We're going to rest for the night. Set up the tents. Whatever. We see uh, the engine dude, uh, Gold Bloom and Hunter Bro going over the map, trying to figure out where to how to get to the facility, get the signal out, blah, blah, blah. And as Jeff is walking back to the campsite, we get this beautiful callback to that rippling in the water, the water cup. But this time, there are these big, giant puddles, kind of, and they have that ripple effect, right? That boom. And he knows. And the way he catches his breath is just so beautiful. Like, Jeff Goldblum is at his hottest in this movie. He's got that spiky hair. He knows what to do in his moments. He's a movie star. But he also knows that he's playing a guy that's been broken by his last experience. And he just does it. He does it well, right? Um, and he's like, Kelly. Like, I got to get back to Kelly and Sarah. They're at the tent I've been fucking looking at the map with these guys. I got to get back there, right? And they kind of get separated throughout this this process that happens here. And we get one of the scariest moments in the whole motherfucking movement, movie. The T-Rex, right? This fucking animatronic that they used had to have scared the girl that played Kelly at, like shitless. Like her tears had to have been real. And... Sarah's jacket is hanging up at the top of the tent and it's covered in baby T-Rex blood. And the the hunter guy noticed that when they were walking like through the jungle, whatever, um, some of the blood from the jacket um, got onto the leaves. And he asked her at one point, like, are you injured? Have you gotten hurt? She said, no, no. Um, and I think that's when he realizes, oh, shit. They knew, you know, they've been... They've handled the fucking baby T-Rex, okay? He knows that all bets are off now. Like, all of the bets are fucking off. So this this fucking T-Rex, right, with its drooly weird mouth, just fucking weasels his way in through the opening of the tent, right? And fucking Sarah, God bless her, is putting the crackle bar and the the freaking graham crackers back in the Ziplocs, and it's like, that's not what he's here for, honey. That is not what he is here for. He smells the blood on the jacket. He smells the blood of the sun. And um, Kelly goes to scream. And Sarah, God, puts her hand on her mouth. Just be like, shh, like, it's okay, it's okay. And, you know, she just does such a good job as, like, a girlfriend mom. You know, I know, like, once you're, like, married, stepmom, you know, things are different. You get more of an established kind of maybe authoritative relationship. Um, and maybe hopefully you can have a good relationship with your stepkids. Um, but I'd imagine 
when you're kind of still in that boyfriend girlfriend ter- territory of dating somebody with kids um since my separation from my ex and father of my kids i i don't know what it's like i i haven't really brought anybody into their life to to un- to know what that dynamic is like like yet um a little personal but whatever um you know so i just think that in this movie they have julian moore have this really great relationship with Kelly. Kelly enjoys her company. Sarah enjoys Kelly's company. Um, she understands the importance of Kelly being Ian's daughter, right? That's your that's his number one, okay? The kid is his number one. And in a not even motherly way, we are all programmed, I hope and I think, whether we are parents uh aunts uncles or not just as human beings we are built and made to protect kids okay we are always meant to protect our inner child and anybody outside of that that represents that and i think in this movie steven spielberg does such a good job showing the protectiveness of sarah with kelly Without it being just, oh, you know, the girlfriend trying to protect the boyfriend's daughter, whatever. It there and Nick does the same thing. It's like there's this tiny little kid on this island, right? This little girl who's maybe 11, 12 years old. And it's like, y'all, we have to make sure that we just have to make sure that she survives. Like, fuck the rest of us. Like, they all inherently know, even the hunter. That's why he said, we can't let her know what happened to the dude. They are all there to protect her, okay? Like, that's the fucking deal. That's why after this moment when they're all rushing to that little cave in the water and poor Carter, bless him, he gets smashed by the T-Rex. Um, you know, when they get into that that watery cave, you know, Nick is fucking, like, Nick is like, I have Kelly right now. Like, I've got her right now. I'm the fucking biggest dude right here. This T-Rex... Fuck you, son of a bitch. You can't reach us. Like, when fucking Vince Vaughn is like, he can't reach us. He can't reach us. Like, it's so good because he's, like, so proud just as a human of, like, I've got this kid and this fucking T-Rex cannot reach us. Like, he's not going to get this kid. Not the fuck today. Not on my watch. And I just, it gives me goosebumps. It's so good. It just shows you the importance of Kelly in this film okay the kid should never have been on the island but she ended up there anyways and you know now we have to protect her so I just love that and again when when they have the one guy with the long hair when that snake crawls in him and he's like no a snake a snake and the snake scares him so bad that he just runs into the mouth of the Tyrannosaurus Rex that's a lot that's a lot Julianne Moore, you know, just looks at him like, I can't fucking help you. I can't help this guy. He made his decision. I can't help him. And then she gets licked by the T-Rex. And it's like, oh, we did not need to have the T-Rex lick her. Okay, because I don't think the T-Rex would have licked her in real life. But then again, what do I know about dinosaurs? Maybe, maybe Steven knows something more than I do. So that's why when Jeff comes back in and they're like, oh, no, it's back. And it's like, no, it's just big, tall, fucking beautiful Jeff Goldblum. Um, she just jumps right into his arms and he says, thank you. And then it's like, 
next place, right? Next mission, right? And uh, I think at the end of this episode, I I recorded a little of like middle of the night in real life right before they go into the long grass. I'll put it at the end of the episode. I sound super sleepy. But I was like, oh, I'll keep the clip. I'll put it in the episode. So the rest of the squad, rather than ending up in the cave, water cave area, they end up in the long grass. And what we know about the communication hub in the middle of the island is that that's where all the velociraptors have been nesting for the last however many years and this scene just unnerved me as a kid it or adolescent I wasn't even a little kid anymore at this point um as a little preteen this fucked me up the velociraptors are the scariest thing scariest thing to me in the whole dinosaur world I had a nightmare as a kid I'll never forget where there was a herd of velociraptors like coming on a field and I was just like there but for some reason they had the head of Chucky on them like they were velociraptor bodies with Chucky heads on them what the fuck like who decided that would be a good nightmare to give a child Somebody did. Somebody in the Matrix fucking world. Somebody who's programming all this shit was like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's give her a real fucking nightmare. Velociraptors with the head of the Chucky doll. A herd of them coming towards her. I had that dream. I'll never forget that dream. And I'm going to move on. So, the long grass. Ajay. You know, again, I'm tired of saying bless him, but fucking bless him, man. He pulls off his pack and he's like... Not into the long grass. Don't go into the long grass. And nobody listens to him. And he runs after them to try to save him. But they all fucking die. You see the single file. And you just see the fucking. The threads of the velociraptors. And their little heads. Each head pops up one by one by one. Because they are fucking creepers. They're fucking lurkers. And they can sense the men out there. And the tails pop up one by one. And they start picking off the men. Picking off the men one by one by one. And it is the scariest thing ever. It's scarier than like the kids in the kitchen with the velociraptor in the first movie. Fuck that. This was not cool. It looked beautiful. That that fucking aerial shot of the field with them coming with the raptors coming towards them in the line is just genius it's jaws shit it's 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 unreal and i loved it and it scared me and it scarred me for life but we lose ashe which is a total fucking bummer but at one point we get hunter bro uh our bald man right um he's going to try to save everybody from being eaten by the tyrannosaurus rex and he goes to shoot it But Nick took out the fucking bullets. So he has to plan B it, get the Trank gun. And we do see him uh, shoot down the T-Rex. Trank it, right? So by the time we get um, Nick running ahead, getting to the fucking chopper, doing all that shit. Getting to the old hub of Jurassic Park, which was a beautiful nostalgia even though this movie was only a couple years after the first one, 
seeing that kind of overgrown stuff um, everywhere was super cool. And I liked how in the first Jurassic World, um, they gave that to us. Um, that little, like, when he goes to get the Jeep and everything. So fucking cool. I loved it. Um, so, from here on out, after that kind of sliding down scene that, again, kind of reminded me of something that would happen in Hook and, like, The Lost Island or something. Slide down. Nick decides to go ahead. And the, the you know, the three, Sarah, Ian, and Malcolm, Malcolm trailing behind, right? And when they get to the long grass, they can already tell Jeff... Goldblum can already tell something bad happened here and he just fucking looks around and he says run just run very similar to Laura Dern in the first one and I fucking like that okay I like poetry I like when shit rhymes okay and so they get to the hub they get to the fucking facility place and right off the bat Sarah gets her fucking lucky patch snatched okay she gets yeeted by the fucking velociraptor immediately, right? And, of course, Ian's not going to go after her. He freaking pulls Kelly aside to try to protect her. Because I think it's like, maybe a kid, I thought, like, why doesn't he fight more or something? I don't know what I thought I had in my head. But as a grown-up, clearly, again, everybody's number one goal is fucking Kelly. She's a child. we got to get her the fuck out of here. We want to get out of here, too, but, like, mostly we need to get her out of here. So, we get this fucking badass sequence. I'd, I'd say that the raptors are a little too CGI here for me, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers, and they can't all be animatronics, you know, glistening in the rain, right? So, my favorite thing is the fucking gymnastic sequence. I, I don't care what the fucking critics had to say about that shit back in the day. I wasn't paying attention because I was 12. She fucking... Julianne Moore and her go into the barn. The fucking raptor's trying to dig under the door to get inside. So they think, well, we'll just go on the other side of the barn, dig under it while that raptor is distracted trying to get in. We'll try to get out while it's distracted trying to get in. And as soon as she tries to push Kelly out first, which, you know, she's just trying to do the right thing and trying to save the fucking kid, fucking... Another velociraptor tries to pop into the goddamn hole, right? So we're not going out. We're going up, right? I know they always say to never go up the stairs in the scary movies, but there was no other fucking choice. So at some point, Kelly just decides, you know what? You know what? Everybody's tried to save me here. I'm going to... I'll I'll take care of it. I got it. I got it. And she does her fucking best fucking Olympic medalist fucking Ali Michaela Simone fucking move does her fucking gymnast shit yates the fucking velociraptor back out probably the same one that tried to get freaking Sarah and uh you know dad is just like they cut you from the team which like you know in 2021 in 2021 when we still have Black la- back, blah, 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 black athletes out there better than their competition, pulling moves that their competition can't even fucking do themselves, and then getting punished for it and becoming so mentally traumatized from being punished for doing good at your job and all the other things these poor Olympians had to go through, and they decide to quit and not be a part of these weird systems anymore. Um, 
I thought it was an interesting commentary for what, 98, 1997, like you're that good and the school cut you. So I don't know if if Kelly was just lying, doing that kind of daughter, that spiteful daughter thing you can, you know, you do sometimes where you're like, oh, God, dad, were you even paying attention? You know, that thing. Or if we were just trying to say like, yeah, this bitch is so fucking good that the school couldn't even fucking handle it and they cut her. So anyways, that's, uh, I'm going to get off the soapbox and, um, yeah, chopper rolls up. Nick is alive. They're on the plane. I mean, Jeff is trying to tell her it's okay, Kelly. It's done. It's over with. We know it's not over with. Okay. Cause now we have part B of the movie. We get this fucking San Diego syndrome. Okay. Now, before we leave the Island, we get this beautiful scene of Mr. Corporate Engine Dude, right, is talking to the hunter guy. And he's like, ah, look it, you single, single-handedly saved our operation. You, 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 with the baby and the, and the T-Rex will now be able to take them to San Diego. We lost everything, but you, you saved us. And he's like, you got your buck. Like, don't you feel good? And he does not look good. He looks sullen. He looks sad. And he looks like he wants to get the fuck away from these people and this place. And the T-Rex is behind him, tranked out, breathing. But clearly, I'm not a hunter. I've never hunted before. But he tells Mr. Corporate, you know, um, Ajay didn't make it. And now I'm wondering if we got this cool little undertone. Was Ajay and him, were they more than just these safari business partners? Because um, he's obviously devastated and very upset that this man is not around anymore. And I think he meant more to him than just a partner, just a friend. I think we were insinu- insinuating that they were more than likely together. Um, that's what I picked up on it. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry about him. Uh... If you ever want a job in San Diego at the park, you've got it. And he just looks over at him and he says, no, thank you. I think I've spent enough time in the company of death. And it's so gothic. It's such a fucking macabre, dreary fucking line. So Spielberg. Oh, it's so good. I think I've spent enough time in the company of death. And when you look at the dinosaurs as death, it's just, oh, it's so good. It's so dark. It's so macabre. I just love it. Um, And he's just gone. And you can kind of see, you know, Mr. Corporate kind of almost gets it for a minute. And he's just like, eh, whatever. We got to fucking get to San Diego. And uh, I'm going to need to go grab my coffee, drink some water. We'll get into San Diego, and uh, I'm going to get into some Fallen Kingdom uh, Jurassic World Dominion theories that I have into where where this franchise might pick up, where we might be going with it, um, all of those things. So um, go ahead, take a breather, grab a coffee, grab some water, do what you need to do, but um, I just want you to think about in this moment what it would be like if a dinosaur, Tyrannosaurus Rex level dinosaur, showed up in your town 
because some asshole rich guy stole its baby. Like, let's go. Like, that's a video game I'd fucking play. Like, how do you put those pieces back together? So, anyways, think about that. Okay, so, you know, in the first Jurassic Park, we get to the chopper. You know, we're overlooking the ocean. We get beautiful John Williams score, right? And we're just looking out at those seagulls, you know? And um, and this one, it's not quite the same. Everybody's traumatized. Obviously, Kelly's still crying. And everything's just a mess, right? We've got, um, you know, the, the, the Trank T-Rex and the baby T-Rex en route to San Diego. What the fuck is going to happen there? We'll find out, okay? We'll find out. So, Mr. Corporate Bro is doing his little press conference, doing his best fucking Jeff Bezos. Like, we're going to space. We're bringing the dinosaurs to San Diego. Nobody has ever thought of doing this before. This is big. It's coming. And then, the Port Authority Master boat guy comes in and is like sir i'm gonna need you to take a look at this and he's like i'm in the middle of a press conference and he's like but you really need to come look at this the boat it's coming into the dock but it ain't slowing down okay it's going however many knots and it's not it's just not slowing down okay and that's when we realize it's time to run time to run time to go time to run as roy batty says in blade runner time to die okay and bless them jeff goldblum julianne moore they're trying to get in trying to get through to these people but like you know not happening security is like you're not on the vip list so sorry you're gonna have to go and they're in like the fucking sickest hottest red fucking two-seater convertible car like i've ever seen in my life and like good on you steven spielberg because if you're gonna have these two fucking tramping around san diego luring a t-rex to follow its child back to a boat uh this is the car to do it okay so the boat comes plowing through the fucking dock right busting up everything and in one of the most just beautifully horrific uh fantastically horrifying uh scenes shots You get the shot of the wheel with half of the arm missing. Then I think there's the two of them. Then there's the one of the hand just holding the button to open up the top of the fucking ship. And it's just like dismembered. And they go to push it open. And before they open it all the way, they're like, no, that's not a good idea. But it's too late because fucking this T-Rex is fucking out it knows its baby is hiding somewhere in one of the fucking little towns here in san diego right and they never explain where i don't know if the fucking poor little thing ended up by balboa park by the san diego zoo i don't know if it ended up in fucking escondido where the fucking safari park is i don't know if it ended up over by fucking sea world by fucking fiesta island and marina boulevard but what we do know Is that at some point, the T-Rex goes stomping through downtown and through uh, 
let's see, ends up on Cedar Street, which Cedar goes through downtown San Diego all the way to our cute little South Park area, I think up into North Park. So these cutesy fucking fun little areas of San Diego. And then where does it decide to go for uh, its water source? The fucking bougie rich neighborhood. I don't know where the fuck this neighborhood exists in San Diego, but somewhere by downtown. Finds a pool, drinks its fucking Evian water, okay? Top tier San Diego backyard, right? They're not going to East County. They're not going on the wrong side of the freeway. God forbid we should show any fucking, you know, normal average income house in San Diego. Let's show all the fucking nice shit, right? Which, whatever, that's fine, okay? I did not grow up in a house like this fucking kid's had. He's freaking wakes up. He knows something's off. He goes to wake up his narcissistic fucking Gen X mom and dad. Well, they're probably boomer Gen Xers. They can't be bothered to wake up. The dad's literally just like, what, 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 what? And they start arguing with each other over like the kid's fish tank. They're not even bothering to listen to the kid, let alone be like, okay, maybe it's a nightmare, whatever. They're just fucking bitching at each other. And while they're busy bitching at each other, the T-Rex shows up in the window, sans dog, doghouse crashes to the ground. Goodbye, Sparky. We'll see you on the other side, old yeller. And uh, they scream really loud. But it's like, if you fucking too would have just listened to your kid instead of arguing with each other, I don't know if the dog would have been saved, but I felt like it would have been saved. So, yeah. Anyways, that was that. That was fucking fucked. And then... Then we see it stomping through. Yeah, we got the blockbuster with the fake Robin Williams movie and the fake Kevin Bacon poster. Um, And then we get the guy with the glasses uh, pressed against the the glass right before he gets eaten, mirroring um, that Julianne Moore uh, uh, scene where she's pressed against the glass, the bottom of the trailer glass before it breaks. Beautiful, wonderful. And there's a group of Japanese business-looking men that are running away from the T-Rex. And apparently in Japanese, one of them says, like, I can't believe I left Japan for this. Like, as in, like, a little ode to Godzilla, which, that's pretty cool. Whatever. So, anyways, once Sarah and Ian, you know, ask Mr. Corporate, where's the facility? Where the fuck is the facility with the infant? He tells them, they go get the infant, fucking finally they figure out the t-rex is trailing behind them they get back to the boat same boat not a bigger boat same boat get mom get get daddy and baby back inside but not before jeff goldblum delivers this fucking crushing fuck you line to mr corporate he looks over at him as the guy's kind of staring out with his little round glasses like those little spectacles And he just ever so softly, slowly comes over his shoulder and says, now you're really John Hammond. And fuck, dude, that's a line. Like, you know, yeah, cool. We like dinosaurs. Do we need to bring them back? I don't know. I don't know if we should mess with that shit. I, whatever. But in this realm, in this franchise, John Hammond brought them back without thinking of the rep- the repercussions. And 
this guy is the bastard child symbolization of that, of what happens when corporate greed hijacks the um, well-being of an animal, of these creatures that didn't ask to be here in the first place and decide to monetize it and, again, bastardize it and turn it into something completely different. At least Hammond had somewhat good intentions, even though he was going to have people come pay fucking shit ton of money to come watch his dinosaurs behind gates. Um, this is just that, that this is the sinister side of that. I think this movie was trying to show us that like, not all rich guys just want to bring back dinosaurs to, to, to look at them and say, Oh, aren't they so nice and pretty, you know? So anyways, that was just a good delivery. Good line. Then we fucking, then we get like the fucking cherry on top, the freaking expensive champagne toast. He's fucking waddling around the damn boat for some fucking reason. Baby T-Rex sees him. Daddy says, that's, that's your dinner, son. That's the dinner you've been waiting for this whole time. You go get him. And the little baby T-Rex goes chomp and chomp and chomp. And then daddy's like, brings it in okay and fucking goodbye mr engine goodbye mr corporate greed you're fucking gone we know that like you cut off one head three more grow back we get that but you know what goodbye good riddance good day sir do not collect do not pass go do not collect your two hundred dollars you're fucking gone you are uh t-rex fodder now okay so somehow the boat goes back off to La Isla Nubar. They're back on the island. Somebody was there to fucking just like let the T-Rexes off the boat again. And mom, dad, baby, and everybody's just happy on the island. Everything's cool. Everything's great. We see Dr. Ian Malcolm, Dr. Sarah Harding. We see Kelly the two adults are all passed out. They got their wine and their freaking food and just CNN's on. And Kelly's just like watching the boat go back to the island, right? You know, she's finally like come to when it's just like, it's kind of processed what she's gone through. And it's just like, shit, I, I lived that. I saw that dinosaur in front of my face. And so it's cool. And again, all the dinosaurs happy on the island. Good times. The end pterodactyl bright final shot fucking beautiful then we get jurassic park three then we get jurassic world i'm just gonna fast forward into jurassic world fallen kingdom so here are all these fucking animals engines whatever corporation they changed into has found a way to uh monetize the dinosaurs again we open jurassic world on the island they're making disney world money fucking shit goes down in the first jurassic world the dinosaurs get out the t-rex reigns so fucking prime again and then what do they do sorry i'm yelling what do they do what do they do they say oh there's a volcano on the island and all these beautiful safe free fucking dinosaurs who don't have to deal with humans anymore Guess what? They're all going to get melted and blown back into fucking non-existence if we don't help them. 
So the whole premise of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the beginning at least, is how the fuck do we get the dinosaurs back off of the island? Do we do that? Is it God, the universe, whatever? Is it the will of the galaxy for these dinosaurs to go away again since they were never meant to come back since we pulled them out of the bowels of fucking history with fucking frog mutated mosquito fucking DNA shit? Do we help them? Do we leave them? What do you do? And before I get into Fallen Kingdom and that whole movie, which I should have just made this two episodes, but I fucking didn't. Um, the ode to Bryce Dallas Howard's high heels that she ran around in in that first fucking movie show up in the freaking the first time we see her her first scene in the movie she's going up an elevator and they fucking start the shot at her little black heels and pulling back up to her and i thought this is a that was a cute little nod she's obviously not going to be running the island around the island in high heels this time or the fucking california manor but she spent that whole fucking last movie doing it and she did it fucking very well Okay, was it realistic? No, but sometimes shit happens when you're wearing high heels and you gotta adjust. And she did beautifully. So I thought her coming into the movie with the little high heels, I like that little wink. I like that little nod. And um, yeah, before I get into Fallen Kingdom and uh, theories, I'm gonna take one more little break um, and I'm gonna get into some GMO dinosaur is the indoor raptor and Maisie, are they symbiotic? What is up with this shared DNA of this little clone child? What do we have going on here? Um, did they purposely tone down Chris Pratt's role in the second movie due to the weird Stepford wifing of him? I don't know. Whatever. But uh, I'm, <laughs> let's get into it. Okay. So just to like get to Fallen Kingdom. You know, I, I've, I've gone over Bryce Dallas Howard's little cheeky little, uh, uh, you know, high heel scene there that we got. Um, but I would be, um, horribly like I would, mm, what is, how do I describe this? If I didn't get into the very, very beginning, like the shoot her, um, scene that they brought into this one, um, I'd have a problem. Like, you guys could fire me. I don't know how that would work, but you could fire me. Um, we, we, nothing compares to this. I like Jurassic World. I thought it was great. Super excited. I thought the marketing was pretty clever. They, you know, they had these fun little websites, um, you know, just cheeky. Uh, the Jurassic World website was, like, actually for the park. They had an engine one, I think, going into, like, I, bio stuff, whatever. Super cool. Um, and the movie was beautiful to look at. The, they, they created beautiful dinosaurs. Um, the Indominus Rex was awesome. Um, I just wanted some more of her, um, of that specific predator. Um, loved how the T-Rex came in at the end and he was like, I'm the fucking good guy. Like, and I'm the ultimate predator here. Like I started here. I end here. This is my place. So, Taking that into Fallen Kingdom, we open up with the whoo, underwater scene, which I'm just, whoo, underwater scenes just immediately 
feel me, my blood pressure skyrockets and I'm just like, I'm gone. I'm gone. Okay. I'm, I'm easily shocked at that point. It doesn't take much. A tadpole could float across the screen and I jump out of my seat. So, you know, we've got them trying to retrieve the tooth of the Indominus Rex that ended up at the bottom of the fucking, uh, little tank there. And, oh God, I got to get out of the scene because I'm starting to get anxious. Um, and again, you know, they need it whatever for to to make more of them i guess so i guess by the end of this movie they not only have perhaps some of the indoor rex dna left but they also have at the very least they have the uh the indoor raptor not indoor rex i might get them confused a few times don't blame me um <clears throat> please be kind uh but they definitely have the indominus rex's tooth thing moving on out of all of these movies going into dominion okay um, when that movie will be able to come out, we'll see how things go with the fucking craziness, uh, pandemic that's been going on. Okay. Um, uh, they'll get there when they get there and I will be waiting happily, patiently, and gratefully. Um, and so anyways, um, they need to get the fuck out of there, get their little domey machine, James Cameron, Titanic machine out ASAP. They got the thing that they needed and it's time to go. Chopper's waiting and um, there's just like this kind of like squirrely dude with his clipboard or pad trying to, I think, lock the gate or get the signal from the dudes below. But that went wrong. Um, I think there was the eyeball. I'm sorry. I can't think about it too much because I'm literally getting shivers from it. Um, can't do underwater stuff. It really freaks me out. So I'm going to move on. Um, whew. Uh, so anyways, moving from submerged water to raining down water, we get the most beautiful fucking sketched out glimpses in the lightning of the T-Rex in the fucking bushes in the palms behind the guy. You get a couple of them, right? One, two, three, maybe at the most before he comes at him. And then we get that iconic uh, T-Rex running chasing the dude the guy barely gets to the fucking um chopper ladder thing gets up there t-rex chomps at it we almost lose the guy when he's relieved because the t-rex didn't get him and the t-rex looks down and he's pissed because he only got a little piece of you know chainy ladder shit in his mouth um you know guy takes a nice sigh of relief i made it but like you don't take a sigh of relief over open water like (laughs) no okay natalie wood had a reason for being fucking scared of deep dark water okay and this guy was just like whoop that t-rex didn't get me no dude you're still you're not safe yet. Don't breathe yet. You should not breathe until you're in the fucking chopper. And even when you are in the chopper, just go ahead and turn purple because you're still not safe. And so what happens? The big alligator water, water shark monster thing, it comes out and it got him. And we get the cool Steven Spielberg nod with the, with the blood in the water. But like the gate won't shut because nobody's there to shut it. It's just going out into the waters of the public i've got to move on because i feel like i'm in the movie i've watched it way too many times and then we get you know bryce dallas howard 
trying, we're, uh, no, 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 no. We get our boy. We get Goldblum back, okay? We get beautiful Dr. Ian Malkin, right? And he's just, just reserved. He knows what he has to say, confident about what he has to say. He's a learned wizened man now, right? This is our Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, years later, right? And he's basically saying that he thinks that it's best, like, we should have never brought the dinosaurs back. He made the statement in the first movie, just because you could. Did you ever think that we, if we should? <laughs> um, so that's kind of his statement. You know, we, we brought them back sort of against their will into a timeline that they were never meant to be a part of anyways. So maybe it's best to just leave them on the island, let the volcano do its thing, and life will find a way um <clears throat> and the guy says when the senator american government whatever fucking dude <clears throat> is like what do you think like we should let god handle this and he basically is like god has nothing to do with this again kind of reiterates his point and then we get into the 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 bryce dallas howard squad with like the cutest like i don't like, if she's not a lesbian or at least bisexual, like, my radar is fucking broken. Um, I love her. She's probably the person I'm most attracted to in this film. It used to be Chris Pratt. It used to be Chris Pratt! Ugh! God, how do we lose him? How do we get him back? I don't know. It's very frustrating. Moving on. Um, anyways, so she's, like, a cool doctor, right? And they're trying to wrangle people up to fucking save the dinosaurs right this is like the 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 hands across america deal right and um so she's left uh they see on tv that the government's not going to intervene she gets a call from this rich fucking dude then we get the him and connection right she's off to this beautiful uh norcal redwood fucking manor right which I'm sure they could have found a manner to film, but they're like, we'll just computer. We'll just make it on the computer. Which, again, it looked beautiful, but, like, this is California. Like, that's, like, when you go certain, like, once you get hit a certain northern part of California, like, that's what the rich things are. They're, they're, they're craftsmen, like, beautiful. Every detail is, like, intimately mm, everything is fine and made out of the best shit and quality and could like withstand like I don't know the earthquakes that we go through in this weird ass state so anyways they could have found like a bitchin ass manner but like they made one on computer whatever it looked cool so she meets this fucking total <clears throat> like can I tell you <clears throat> about cryptocurrency fucking wannabe yuppie rich dude, right? Hired to spend the fortune of this uh, Lockwood dude who was basically Grindelwald, Dumbledore, BFF with Hammond back in the day. I thought that they were brothers, but I, I after watching it this last time, like five times in a row, um, I don't think that's the case. I'm pretty sure they were partners. Uh, Westworld style, like Anthony Hopkins, they created the fucking technology for all this shit in the fucking manor in this place um they show this like a fucking beautiful atrium with all these fucking fossils and skeletons and shit with this glass roof where everything all comes to a head right scooby-doo style we see where like 
you know, the dinosaur is going to end its days. Um, and he explains that Lockwood, the guy from fucking Babe and American Horror Story and a thousand other things. Um, I, I To me, I was getting gay vibes. Like, they were probably um, very, very close. I know Hammond had his grandkids and whatnot, but, like, come on. Um, anyways, but something happened, something so dastardly that one of them did um that they were no longer friends like it it severed they were they never talked to each other again whatever um spoiler alert spoiler alert um the little girl we see running around the manor with her nanny um is they they describe her as his granddaughter we later learn through a photo album that she is his daughter but his daughter died at some point in the 70s and he jacked with the dinosaur fucking dna technology and his daughter's um dna um and cloned her and now has this like 10 year old little girl running around in 2000 whatever um and uh yeah claims her as his granddaughter when it's it's his daughter and when she finds out, obviously she's devastated and put off. And, um, you know, just like the Indominus Rex, the indoor raptor is created by the fucking same guy from the first Jurassic Park movie, uh, B.D. B. Wong. Um, he's so good. He was in fucking Law & Order SVU for like a thousand years I love him and I think he popped up in Mr. Robot like had like a badass role I, it's been years since I've seen it but anyways um he's been fucking with the dino DNA and his beautiful indoor raptor needs a freaking mommy <clears throat> it needs a guide and they want that to be blue okay uh the raptor that Owen Chris Pratt's character trained and they're able to, I guess, control to a certain extent. Um, he explains to the the rich young white dude that fucking, you know, this dinosaur needs something with its same DNA to guide it and to mother it. Literally says it needs a mother. And that is the reasoning that they, one of the big reasonings, they go to the island and try to save the animals. We all know it's more sinister than that. They end up uh, locking up the animals, bidding them off to the highest bidder on the black market, and we get into just fucking shady, creepy, underworld territory. I guess this fits into the uh, organized crime territory here. Um, so anyways, so while that's all happening, the volcano is active on the island. It's starting to go off. Our whole team is there. We've got uh, Claire... Um, Zia is her name. Um, oh my god, this cute younger guy. What the fuck is his name? With the little glasses and he screams so freaking funny. And we got Pratt, right? They're all there. Time to wrangle up the animals. And they think they're gonna come back to Sanctuary, right? That's the guys Claire was fucking hoodwinked under. Um, that wasn't the case. And let me tell you, I usually skip when this uh, beginning sequence gets towards the end, once Pratt wakes up from being fucking trink darted by Buffalo Bill, who plays one of the fucking bad guys in this movie, uh, Blue gets shot. The freaking hot chick Dr. Zia is like, I'm the only bitch here on this island that can save this raptor. 
you're not going to want to shoot me because he's like, I'll just fucking shoot you. And she's like, but you're not going to. So they all fuck off. Uh, Owen's just left to just die in the lava with the, you know, tranquilized. And anyways, by the time he wakes up, all the animals are running towards the end of the island. Things are popping off. Somehow Claire and the young dude are able to get into one of the little round pods Owen tries to send him off to safety and just all the animals are coming out. And it's just, we already seen Claire and the kid inside one of the buildings with a bunch of fucking lava coming out everywhere. And this beautiful shot of some kind of carnivore fucking dinosaur, some skinny kind of cowboy looking dinosaur. This like lanky dinosaur starts coming through the thing with this huge ass mouth and that red lighting, that orange lighting, and the lava, and you start to just feel so awful because it gets burnt by it, and it just doesn't know what to do, and it's just, it's not cool, and by the time they get to the end of it, and they're able to see that some of the freaking animals are getting saved and loaded onto the boat, and they get into the truck thing and jump onto the boat themselves, um, so many animals are left behind and fall into the water and you're just left with this lonely is it a brontosaurus it's the long neck source from the land the, uh, the land before time so he's going down and slowly but surely the smoke is billowing behind him and he just lets out this lonely last cry of angst and sadness and hopelessness and despair and he goes on to his hind legs in one more glorious pose into the volcanic sunset and I cried so hard I sorry I started my period today I cried so hard last night I went and I told my fucking mom I said they brought the dinosaurs back when we were kids Steven Spielberg brought the fucking dinosaurs back and then they killed them in this movie. Do you think us millennials like need to go through any more trauma? So that's just like, that'll fuck you up. That fucked me up last night. I got mad after that scene. I was like, I don't know if I could watch this. <laughs> like I know I own this movie and I've already watched it a bunch of times but usually I just kind of skip through this part so I have to deal with the emotions of this and just whatever anyways we get back to California they brought the fucking dinosaurs back to California you already traumatized us San Diegans in Southern California. Now you're just like, let's just go fuck up the Redwoods, okay? The apes are already out there. The planet of the ape apes are already out there talking to each other, warring with each other. Let's just bring fucking dino DNA to the fucking front burner here, okay? Off the back burner, front burner, turn it on high. Let's fucking go. And, you know, we realize blue, if we use T-Rex blood, we can transfuse it into blue and then we can save blue. And then we get this really kind of cool scene of Claire and Owen trying to get the blood out of the T-Rex while she's sleeping. And I just like that and I enjoyed it. Um, but what I enjoyed mostly, I, I really need to wrap this up so this isn't a 50 hour long fucking episode. Um, 
what I enjoyed the absolute most was this indoor raptor. Was this funky fucking relationship between clone girl Maisie and this cooked up laboratory dinosaur. You know, Blue's down the whole time. Who is in this manner with this dinosaur? This dinosaur, this indoor raptor, for all we know, never has left, has, was made in this manner. I, I don't think they made any indication that this fucking animal was on the island. It could have been, um, I don't know. I never even thought about that. But anyways, we see it in the cage with its little claws barely touch her hair, right? And she screams because she's a fucking child and a fucking sketchy ass dinosaur just looked like it was about to fucking rip her head off, right? So, you know, the fucking bad guy's like, I'm going to go lock you up in your room. Your grandpa should have done that a long time ago. Like, ew, you're weird. But he knows that she's like a little clone girl. So he doesn't treat her like a human. He doesn't care for the dinosaur. So why should he care for the fuck for her? Um, he's a piece of shit dude anyways. <clears throat> and then during the climax, she is in her bed, you know, with the covers pulled up and then we see the claw thing again, right on her face before either Pratt shows up or blue shows up. Something happens that distracts it away from her. But like, I kept thinking naively, perhaps, I don't know. Again, this could be totally wrong that this Raptor thing was trying to communicate to her or trying to like reach out to her in its own dino DNA way. Like, I think it knew that it was part, like that they shared something. Um, again, if this dinosaur never left this manor, then it's felt her presence there it, this whole time. It's a fucking, it's made to know its surroundings better than anything. Um, so I just, anyways, I just, that's what I got. That's the vibe. And more out of anything in this whole episode talking about Fallen Kingdom, um, that's what I felt the most out of this. And so, um, I think they did a great job with the effects of this indoor raptor, that black and gold there's something about keeping it inside this contained environment. You know, you didn't have to deal with it out in the sunlight and the bushes and the trees, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It was nighttime, the rain, the moonlight inside of the, the manor. Um, and when they, when they rolled it out, like once they get the auction going, um, it's just, it's nuts. It's fucking Again, this is Ragnarok shit. This was just like, we're, we're, we don't fucking care that we're going to make this movie just so fucking fun and crazy and wild. And we're going to make it look so fucking good that like, who cares what the fucking plot is? Who cares what the science is? It, I just like this movie. It just, I've enjoyed it so much better than the first one. Um, for what, and that's the reason it's just cause it just went kind of crazy. And so by the time, um, Claire and Owen and them, you know, uh, pull the Nick fan Owen. Oh my God. They named fucking Pratt's character Owen and Vince Vaughn's character's name was Nick Van Owen. <laughs> I like it. Even Jurassic Park rhymes. So, anyways, uh, 
that's when things fully go off the fucking rails, right? This is when we've got like Terminator coming to the elevator, right? This is, uh, oh God, what's his name? Robert Patrick in um, uh, T2, right? Coming at them in the elevator. Um, when the guy that likes to take his trophies, AKA Buffalo motherfucking Bill, goes to take the tooth out of like the indoor raptor, and when it wakes up and it sees him, I don't know if they did a pro. I don't know if they did a, a animatronic for that part, added with the CGI. I don't know what the fuck they did. It was so beautifully real. It was so fucking gnarly good. It was a gothic looking va vampire, a gothic looking dinosaur. This is like this was the vampire Lestat dinosaur of the Jurassic Park kingdom. Okay, I so hope they bring back the Indominus Rex in the next movie and we get more shots of it because they just were relentless with this fucking dinosaur at the end of this movie and I loved it. It it looked so good when it was in the room with Maisie, when Blue came in and they were fighting each other, that looked good. Again, I will never trust a velociraptor. You cannot tell me that they are the good guys. Stop it. Just stop it. Okay, you're, it's Velociraptor Erasure, and I don't appreciate it. Fucking quit trying to pass off Velociraptors as good guys, okay? Blue can be the exception. I don't want to think about it anymore, okay? Um, but by the time we get to the whole fucking climax of, of uh, uh, oh yeah, we get Blue knocking open, the, we get the gas going, so that's that all comes to the end, right? We've got noxious gas coming into the fucking banner, filling everything up. And we've got the indoor raptor fucking sniffing out Maisie more so than anybody. And like Headless Horseman style, it seems like it's just going after her and just taking care of anything that's in its way, right? I mean, it kills the Buffalo Bill dude because it went to take its tooth and it lifts him up in the fucking crunches and he falls down but the arm stays in its mouth that looked real and that was just gory enough just perfect enough and then when it comes for his face and he's crying and he looks like fucking ramsey bolton before fucking sansa fed his fucking ass to the dogs to his own dogs beautiful chef's motherfucking kiss so by the time we get to the top of the atrium that's where we get we get this balls to the wall um sort of um um scene here where he's getting ready to go after Maisie. They try to fake him out once. Uh, Claire pulls the sound uh, the sound gun on him towards Owen. Almost falls into the atrium. It pulls itself back up. Um, and then oh, here we go. Hold on. We have a we have a Lego interrupt uh, interrupt um, intermission real quick here. You got your Lego? Um, yes, for you, Bill. I want the thing for it. Um, was there one more thing for it? Let's see. Okay, give me one more second. Okay, let me finish talking about dinosaurs and I'll find it. Okay. Oh yeah, but okay, but well, like, please don't this. Like, hey, what's who's your favorite dinosaur? Um, um. Do you like the raptor or the T Rex? T Rex. The T Rex. He's pretty cool. So, speaking of the T Rex, right? We get the the indoor raptor 
She comes back up to the top of the atrium and you're like, okay, this is really it. Everybody's done. We're toast here. And then who comes out of nowhere? Blue, right? We've, of course, the Velociraptor saves the day. And it works because they saved the day in the first Jurassic Park. Um, as a kid, I was totally confused as a child. I thought they were young T-Rexes going after the big T-Rex. It didn't make sense to me. Um, and then I grew up and I realized the difference between a Velociraptor and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So this poor, beautiful, freaking black and gold, aesthetically pleasing, wonderful dinosaur creature falls down onto the uh, Triceratops um, skeleton and is impaled like Vlad the Impaler, again, the vampire dinosaur of the Jurassic Park world. And it's gone, and it's kind of sad. And I think Blue looks sad for a minute, but then she does that classic Jurassic Park roar, which I don't think dinosaurs do, like, the football dance after they freaking do a kill. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think they were that boastful back in the day, but I could be wrong. Um, and before you think, like, okay, that's it. They got the dinosaur, whatever. Well, like, I kind of skipped the part where, like, the young bad rich guy killed like the nice old rich guy with a pillow. <laughs> that wasn't cool. Um, so it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen to this guy? Oh, he got killed by the T-Rex <laughs> beautifully, gloriously. And he got ripped apart, which was great. Um, but they have to make one more final, do we save the dinosaurs or not decision? And the gas starts filling up the chamber of the dinosaurs. Uh, Claire goes to push the button to let them out and then she pulls back and then Maisie comes in like the hero that she is she opens up that gate and she says like they're like me you know what I mean like we can't let them die like they have to go so now the dinosaurs live in California thank you love that for us we see blue roaming around the hiking trails of California and then overlooking a suburb neighborhood which is like beautiful but like the best one the best one the best one of course the dino DNA gets gets out right the the scientists take it off in their little helicopters whatever um but we get this glorious scene of I want to say it's the San Diego Zoo but it's just a lion at the zoo and who comes up to it the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the lion Levi what do you think about that? Do you think a lion or a T-Rex would win? Uh, a lion T-Rex. A lion T-Rex? <gasps> what if they combined and made a superpower? So maybe that's what'll happen in Dominion. Maybe instead of the T-Rex and the lion fighting each other, they will merge and become a super kaiju animal. I'm hopeful, but that's all I've got. I can't keep talking. This is a double header. Um... I'm looking forward to getting more episodes in. We've got school starting. Fall's coming in. I don't think it means it's going to get any cooler outside. It's probably just going to get hotter because of global warming. Yay. Um, but yeah, I've got a scary movies coming up. Almost done wrapping up uh, wrapping up those clips. And uh, again, we've got, I've got a lot more on the horizon. Godfather. Uh, hopefully some Val Kilmer stuff. So yeah, I hope you guys have a safe rest of your weekend. I hope you enjoyed this Dino DNA heavy episode. And if you have any theories or anything that you'd like to write in, you can find me at Sarah Palpatine on Twitter. That's all I got. 
Levi, you want to say goodbye? What? Say, stay curious. Stay curious. Yeah, stay curious. And stay safe. Um, what? Somebody's talking to you. Nope, that's just the end of the podcast. But be Can you say, Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. That's a little Star Wars pun. Bye. So I just wanted to jump in here in real time as I'm watching this movie, Lost World, Jurassic Park. Um, We're about to go into the long grass. And if you know what that means, you know that the velociraptors are coming and there's a bunch of people running into a field filled with long, tall grass. And let me just tell you, I imagined myself in this whole fucking scenario of a film as a child. And not just a child, I was like the same age as Kelly. So like Kelly in this movie and me, we're best friends. I'm, I am her, she is me, we are one. When I watched this movie, I was, that's my perspective, okay? Of like a 12 year old girl. So, you know, like <laughs> the T-Rex just came and just like stomped through the campsite and was like trying to eat Julian Moore's bloody T-Rex baby jacket. And, you know, we end up behind the waterfall and the guy and the snake and then he gets his arm eaten and then Jeff Goldblum comes back and then it's like, we're off the rails. The rails, the rails have left the station. The train There's no such thing as a train. This popsicle stand has been blown. This movie has gone into sheer chaos fucking crazy mode. And they're about to show a field full of velociraptors with people walking single file through it. And everybody gets picked off one by one by one. That's all. Velociraptors are like the great whites of the dinosaur kingdom to me. And there's no animal in this world that I fear more than a shark. And Velociraptor is um, same level, if not more. Um, I know they don't exist here on this same earthly plane that we're on right now. But knowing that they did, that they're little fucking velociraptor spirits still fucking stink up this fucking planet the way like a human spirit would it sets me off it makes me feel uneasy I am probably summoning the dead spirit of a velociraptor from prehistoric times right now I'm gonna make it go away but like who the fuck decided velociraptors were a good idea like I know there's lots of dinosaurs we got I can't come up with a single name of a dinosaur right now, but like, you know, like a T-Rex, like I get that, okay? Like at least it has little arms. It has a disadvantage, okay? There's a lot of predators still out in nature today, you know, on this earthly plane that we're on at this moment that, you know, yeah, yeah, are they scary? Yes, they're scary, but like they have little disadvantages, okay, to where like, Could I be killed? Yes. But is there like a 1% chance that I might? Because like 
there's something fucking fucked up with this creature's like build. Yeah, yes, the Lego masters, the you know, the the master builders when making these predator creatures tend to like leave something out. But they didn't do that with velociraptors. Velociraptors, nothing got left out. They can think, they can open doors, and they can fucking slice you in half and eat you like bit by bit by bit by bit. And then Jurassic World comes along, Jurassic World comes along, and you're going to tell me that fucking just because Chris Pratt hung out with a few of these fuckers for a few days, few months, few years, whatever, that like they're the nice guys, that like I'm supposed to like them now? I'm supposed to be like, oh, Blue, she's so cute. She's just a cute little velociraptor, like, who just loves her trainer, just loves her Andy Dwyer. No, no, we cannot, we cannot normalize making velociraptors the good guys. We cannot normalize them being okay. There was a reason why that fucking meteor came to Earth and wiped them all the fuck out whatever it was, meteor, starvation, ice age, maybe humans came and we just fucking nuked them all. Maybe that's why we don't know what happened to dinosaurs because we fucking did it. All right. Now who's going off the rails? Me or Steven Spielberg? So anyways, I digress. The velociraptors, they have no business being as fucking capable, capable as they are, but they are. And, um, for me, in all of these movies, they they remain to be the, uh, the the cream of the crop, the cherry on top of the fucking sundae, the icing on the cake. Give me a T-Rex. Give me some GMO invented in a lab, mix all the dinosaurs together, you know, uh, black and gold uh, indoor Rex or the Indominus Rex. I'll take them all. But, like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, if I was going to be killed by any dinosaur, I guess I'd fucking be killed by a velociraptor. Might as well go out on the top, like, on top. Go big, go home. So, um, I'm just exhausted. I can't, the thought of being in a field at nighttime after going through a T-Rex attack times five, um, and just walking through that field when, when the one where the doofiest fucking dorkiest guy said the long grass, like, don't go out into the long grass. Like he said that and they went out there anyways and they all got picked off one by one by one by one. And that's all I have to say in this specific velociraptor anti-message. Thank you. starts but then later there's running and, and screaming